This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to Efficiency On Demand, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I have an amazing guest. I cannot wait to dive in. When I read his story and a few things only that I know of him, I was literally blown away. So we definitely have to get all of the insights about him and we just had a little chat and he's already one of my favorites because he takes care of street animals so let me welcome you and i hope i can pronounce this name correctly i say this i think in every episode so <laughs> it's <laughs> miha matryevsky everyone welcome to the show oh wow like that that, that was like really perfect pronunciation you know even where where i live it's it's not a very common surname. So even in my own country, uh, they have quite hard times pronouncing my my surname. So most podcasters just say Miha the Fail Coach. But yeah, that that was like really that was perfect. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you for the lovely introduction. Thank you for having me as your guest. And yeah. Uh, we connected quite quickly on the whole animal yes, thing. Yeah. Yes, totally. Well, thank you for taking the time today, Miha. you got to tell us what you do because I think that's also a great entry of why you're doing that. So tell us a little bit who you are, where you're from, what you're doing, and then we get deep down the rabbit hole there. Well, I'm, I'm from, originally I'm from Slovenia, which is a very small Eastern European country not known by many things quite beautiful country uh to be honest it's uh, it's well our neighbors are italy and austria and croatia so maybe those are some of the countries that your listeners will probably know of and like i said two two and a half years ago i moved to serbia which is another eastern european country with a big 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 animal problem and so that's one of the things that I love doing in, in my, I mean, I don't love to do it, but I mean, I, I hope and pray for one day this world to be a better place where these services will be no longer needed. But yeah, that's something that I'm deeply passionate about because dogs played a very big role on, on, on my well-being and on my comeback from my past huge failures. So it's kind of my way of, I don't know, giving back. And yeah, like uh, you already mentioned, I'm the fail coach. So far, I think I'm still the only fail coach in the world. <laughs> and what I do is I mostly help entrepreneurs because we entrepreneurs with our crazy big dreams and, and goals, we have to be out of the comfort zone a lot. And that's where failure happens. And so mm -hmm. I guess entrepreneurs are at least one of the groups that fails the most so it's very important to have healthy relationship with failure because no entrepreneurial journey goes without any failures it's, it's just impossible so you know if you're watching those facebook feeds with all the gurus that are pretending that everything they do is just success 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 it, it doesn't work that way. Just talk with somebody who has been an, an, an actual entrepreneur for a while and all of them will tell you, well, they might use different words. They might not say failures. They might say roadblocks, mishaps, you know, but when you put it together, it's little failures, bigger failures and so on. And the bigger your dreams, the bigger your failures will be. It's it just how it goes before you reach that success. 
So that's one thing that I help entrepreneurs with is Mm -hmm. establishing and having that healthy relationship with failure. And then I've been an entrepreneur for the past 23 years. So, and, and I've had 10 companies on my own. I've grown them, scaled them to seven, eight, nine, multiple nine figures, startups, funding, exit scenarios. Like, so there's quite a few different things that I can actually help entrepreneurs with. After we have that healthy relationship with failure, then we can actually start doing some business coaching. And the topic that I'm most passionate about is laying down the foundations. Mm -hmm. Because when I look back at at my past companies, the ones that went bankrupt overnight back in 2009, well, the one thing that was very apparent or that is now looking back is I had zero foundations. You know, I was good in sales. I was good with networking. And I thought, well, I can, that's all you need. There was no business plan. There were no processes, KPIs, none of that boring stuff. And for most entrepreneurs, what I see is that those foundations are really the boring stuff. You know, we are the creatives. We want to create, come up with new solutions. We want to talk to people, marketing, sales, and so on. But then we stop there. And at some point, we reach a plateau. Now, sometimes it can happen at five figures. Sometimes it can happen at six, seven. I had a company that was doing multiple eight figures without any foundations. But then, you know, everything crumbled and, and fell apart. The yeah. thing was, or the thing is, it, it very greatly depends um, how good the economy is. And if I look back before the financial crisis in 2009, if I look at 2005, 6, 7, 8, those were some amazing years. You know, you were walking down the street with an idea and banks would throw money at you. Real estate was rising. Shares were rising. Very similar to what we see right now. And then, you know, when the crisis came, it blew everything apart. Mm-hmm. So that's why the foundations, the foundations you can get by without solid foundations when the whole economy is rising and is very good. The problem is that it never stays at that at that point. Everything in life is, you know, up and down. And and the history is telling us that we have financial crisis every roughly 10 to 12 years. So we are somewhere very near. Now, whether it will be the US elections or the coronavirus or something, you know, or the Brexit or whatever will be the trigger. And I think another thing is if we look at past crisis, each one was harder, at least the last few ones, each one was harder than the past ones because the world is more connected. It's more global. So, you know, I like the last crisis didn't have such an impact all over the world. This one, I'm sure, will have a much bigger impact because, you, you know, you're in Thailand probably working online, you know, and, and you, your income Thailand's economy. And so if something happens, if you don't have the foundation and your business goes bust, that will have an influence on countries. But maybe all your clients are coming from the US. So, but that US crisis will translate for you in a Thailand crisis, you know? So that that's why I think it will be even more global, even more impactful, and even harder. And I think what we've seen in the past few years is a huge increase in people entering entrepreneurship 20 years ago or 30 years ago i mean yeah i was like a crazy one without any education and so on i dropped out of high school and i started my entrepreneurial journey but most entrepreneurs were people who either had some business education or Mm -hmm. they had you know entrepreneurship in in their family Uh, so it was a transfer of knowledge or something like that and less people went into the whole entrepreneurial journey. But now we see a huge increase in, in everybody starting and joining without them having any education, at least theory, if they don't have experience because they've never been an entrepreneur before, but at least you need to have some theory. But then, I don't know, just a few weeks ago, I was in a big entrepreneurial group on Facebook and I asked the question like how many of you make a business plan or a business development plan before you start anything 
And one guy replied, I mean, uh, most of them were very negative, you know, like Gary Vee is teaching us, you just have to hustle, hustle, grind, grind, and everything will be okay. Okay, yeah. that's, that's a whole different story. <laughs> because that hustle, hustle, grind, grind will always, only get you to, into a hospital, but that's okay. Right. Uh, but then one, one guy said, dude, we are in 2019. I think it was in December. We're in 2019. Now all you need is an Instagram account. <laughs> But, but that's but that's how people understand, and that's why. I mean, we can talk about business development. We can mm. talk about cash flow management and all of those boring subjects. I mean, yeah. I, I do know quite a lot about them. But I think the most important one that I'm trying to bring awareness to, or and get the message across to your listeners, to every whenever I go on podcast, is how important foundations are. Building a business is same thing as building a house. First, you need a blueprint or you need a business plan. Then you lay down foundations. You don't start building your house on the third floor and there's nothing in between the ground and the third floor. I mean, but that's logical. But when it comes to business, we'll just wing it. And like I said, again, right now we are enjoying this huge positive economy wave. And, and of course, those mistakes of not laying down the foundation probably can't even be seen when you're in a business owner. One of those foundations is cash flow. You need mm-hmm. to have a cash flow cushion. That's like a mandatory thing. So just imagine crisis comes tomorrow, bam, you know, and you have the cash flow cushion to sustain you for a year. You can wait it out. Yeah, three to three to six months. Everybody without the cushion will fall off, and then it's business as usual. That's right. You know, and and so on. So so the foundations are really really so important, not for the good times, but for the bad times. You know, it, it, like if you look at the three little pig story, those all three houses were standing when everything was okay. It was when the wind started blowing. So when something came and and the same was with my businesses, you know, they were like that first house made out of straws. And then when the crisis came, it was like the big wolf coming and, and blowing into my businesses and they fall apart. That's when you see, Oh shit, something's missing. Yeah. And you don't realize it most often until that moment comes and then there's nothing really you can do and then you know your cash flow is not there so it's it's impossible for you to hire somebody to help you right i mean when i realized what i have done it was already too late the bank already took the money i ended up being five million in debt and and so who would work then with me how can i get a consultant a ceo or something like that you have to think about those things in, in the good times, when, when everything's already collapsing on you. That's, that's the important part. And then, of course, there's no, no option for you to, to save whatever you've built through the last few years. You know, maybe you started in, I don't know, 2012, you know, after the crisis when things were starting to pick up. I mean, now we're 2020, so that means you've invested eight years of your hopes and dreams and and, and everything into that baby, but without any solid foundations. And now, bam, the crisis comes and it's gone. Yeah. I really want to dive in there a little bit deeper because I think people are sometimes a little bit, and I'm not taking myself out of there. I've been there, especially in my private life. They're always thinking like, it's not going to hit me. We're, we're, we're thinking we're invincible and I can sing a song about it because I literally grew up, like I'm from Germany, specifically from East Germany. So I was okay. born behind the wall, but I kind of don't really know much about it. The wall came down, I was four years old, but I do have the work ethics and a lot of the mindset from my parents who lived over 30 years behind the wall, right? But the first three years, my parents really had to fight for my life because I was born with kidney, uh, with a kidney failure. And as doctors were not really up to date in East Germany, it was really like I, they really had to, as you said, hustle basically to keep me alive. So that's just a backstory. And once I kind of like realized, oh, you know, I can get through these type of things, 
I literally thought in my teenage years and everything, I'm just freaking invincible. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And when I started working, I was 13 years old. My dad just got basically laid off his job when the whole German reunion went through, when West Germany took over all of the East German little shops and little companies and everything. So my dad was trying to get a new job and he really was out there. And then he started to go back to school. So I was like, all right, then, you know, I'm 13, I can work. So I went out there and let me tell you, I hustled and grinded like definitely more than Gary Vee in all of his 20s before I even turned 20. So that's for sure. But I also, as you said, and I totally am with you, the whole hustle and crime is absolutely bullshit and definitely gets you only into hospital. It got me already on my deathbed, deathbed when I was 19. So I died of a cardiac arrest. And I was clinically dead for 25 seconds by the age of 19, just because I had like three jobs, school, all the things I didn't sleep. I partied the two hours that I could have slept. And so I was just all out there. And I think this story kind of translates into business as well, because we're like, when we start entrepreneurship, I think a lot of people think like, oh, if I just hustle and cry and I can make it, who cares about processes and workflows and time management? That's bullshit. What a business plan. I only need an Instagram account. I mean, that's hilarious, to be honest. I don't, I mean, yeah. that is just sad, actually, but it's just crazy. To hear that, actually, you need an Instagram account. I mean, I'm just... But anyways, yeah, I, I think that's like the answers we get these days, right? So walk me through. Take Going back to like, I think it was 2009, right? You have your companies running, you make tons of money, and then you wake up and suddenly you're in fucking 5 million debt. Like... I don't even imagine. You know, like that, that, that wasn't that difficult. I, I just want to touch one thing before I start with that. Yeah. You know, like, okay, so I'm guessing probably part of your listeners might be thinking about starting an entrepreneurial journey. And then another part might be in that early stage, you know, hustling and grinding through the first steps. Yeah. I'm guessing that probably some part of your listeners might be doing six, seven figures and they might think, oh, I'm well off. Well, I, want, I, I have a special message for those. Always, please stay humble. That, that was another thing that got me where I was because I thought of myself, you know, like, oh, I didn't understand that the economy is good. I thought I'm that truly the most amazing entrepreneur that ever lived. Mm-hmm. And I became so cocky. And what she said, you know, I'm invincible. Nothing can happen to me. I can go through everything. Every single time in my life, uh, in all areas, when I came to the point of being overconfident, over cocky, always life taught me a lesson. Every single time. So if, if you are well off, if you're making solid money, you have good life balance, and don't take it for granted. Stay humble and be grateful because like this, everything can change. So yes. just, you know, a separate message for your, the listeners who might be right now thinking, okay, I mean, you know, I have things under control and so on. You always have to be, um, I call this when, when I'm working with my clients, permanent beta state. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is no. permanent beta. We are always learning, always growing. Yeah. Don't think that you've already learned it all, got it all, or anything like that, you know, like don't, don't become uh, that person because then life will for sure serve you a very hard lesson. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, love that. Thank you. Yeah. Going, going back, I dropped out of high school when I was 17. I had this not so good relationship with the professor of the Italian language. She didn't like my uh, I'm rebel without any cause attitude and, and I'm going to skip classes and so on. So my Italian is still quite okay. I mean, you know, it's it's not bad. But at that time, I was probably one of the, uh, the, the, the best ones in the class. But, you know, she just hated my attitude. And then she, mm. she flunked me. And I was like, okay, so if I go and repeat that, that, that third year, I'm just going to get her again. So, you know, what's the point? 
And my father, he had like a, this small family business, really small family business. And he was like, well, come work for me. And that's how I started the entrepreneurial journey. Maybe one thing, it's, it's amazing. I didn't know that you're from Eastern, Eastern Germany. Well, I mean, you were very young, but probably if you talk with your parents, you guys really had this hard communism, like Stalin was really, really riding your asses and, and so on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was growing up in Yugoslavia, mm. which was like in between. And yeah. our president Tito at that time, he was he was amazing at getting money from the West, money from the East, playing the middle role. Everybody wanted Yugoslavia to, to get them on, on their side. And he was just abusing that power. And so in, in, in Yugoslavia, people really lived well off. Everything was taken care for you. You would go to university. And, and, and so I had the most perfect childhood. That's something that... Plus, my parents, they came from, let's say, a little bit of adversity. And, you know, like now I'm the only child, which was not that common at that time most common was for families to have two to three children. So mm -hmm. I was the only child. We were living together with the grandparents. So a bunch of people just making sure that I live in a bubble as much as I can and, and not do anything. So I had no work ethics, no like waking up to alarm clock. Like what's that? Nobody ever held me accountable. I mm. would get an F in, in, in the school, well, who cares? You know, like you are Mika, you're, you're the best, you'll make this. You, and, and that kind of like gave me that belief that, that I can't do anything wrong, which, which translates later in the story. So Interesting, I, started yeah. work, I started working for my father's company and I, I didn't have to learn anything. He was more like, you know, like just have fun. You know, do if some something if if you want. Here's like an enormous paycheck that you can't even use, and um, and 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 that's it. But the thing was that very quickly, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and mm. died three weeks later. So we had no transition, no learning, no nothing. But now everybody, including me, thought, okay, so you were there for some time. You probably picked up something, you know? And it was only not natural to me, well, I'm going to take this forward, you know? I'm going to take over the family business. In reality, at that time, I would probably need to hire either a coach, a very good coach, or hire somebody to run the company instead of me and me just focusing on sales, which I was really always good at. And so uh, the company started falling like super quickly, um, but I got lucky. I, I, I met a few guys who knew a lot about business. They saw something in me. They had some extra money. They were looking for an investment and they say, hey, uh, we'll take over the majority share. You stay as a shareholder. You do your stuff. We'll provide you with, you know, the credit card that you need, the phone and the car. Like, we'll provide you all the tools that you need to do your part and we'll take care of the company. And that, that was probably the biggest mistake I ever did in it because I didn't learn the lesson. And I was like, okay, they'll take care of me. Cool. I can just continue being ignorant, stupid child, not learning anything about building businesses and anything outside of what I already know. And so things picked up very quickly. I was really good when it comes to sales. And I was making like 100, 150% more and more every month in revenue. And soon the money was there, traveling, expensive cars. You know, I was living the Dan Blazerian life. And I was 20 something. Most of my peers, they were still in university and so on. And I was like living this lavish life that like the Kardashians or something <laughs> like that. And I was flying high. I was really flying high, you know. So that early upbringing where I can't do anything wrong, whatever good happens to me, it's only natural because I'm the next Jesus Christ and, and not being humble to realize that I can do something wrong. And so those, all of those things paired together got me into, oh, being creative. Uh, I see problems in the world. I'm going to start building new businesses. Why would I bring businesses into this company if I'm not the majority shareholder? So I'll do all the work because I thought, you know, if you do sales, that's all the work. 
anything else is is very uh, much less important in a business. Mm. So I'm just going to create my own companies. I'm going to start new companies. And so I did. And I created quite a few of them. And like I said, riding that good macroeconomic wave, I was able to take all of them, not a single one uh, made less than seven figures in yearly revenue and all the way to multiple eight figures. Now, one of those companies was in a huge real estate investor. I mean, I was the investor through that company into a huge real estate project. I've never built a dock house before. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah, you know, I was greedy. I was overconfident, all of that. And so we started the project. And then when we were in the middle, the crisis came. And the bank made, and and all my other companies were co-signing for the loans. I was co-signing. And so the bank called me. It was Monday, December 7, 2009. The bank called me and they said, we are out because, you know, this project will never be profitable. The sooner we get out, the better. And now because they had all this co-signing, they were able to take all my money, all my assets away from everything. And so instead of owing money to one bank, I ended up owing money in all my companies to all my employees, suppliers, this, that. It felt, again, Slovenia, a small country, but it felt like I owe money to half of the country. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. And in the beginning, I didn't have that, oh, shit, what happened? You know, I was like, okay, I can solve this. I was like, so confident that I can figure something out, you know, in my other companies, I'll, I'll go out, I'll make a sale. I'm good with sales. I'll, I'll make it out of it. I'll make an agreement here, agreement there. Yeah. But unfortunately that crisis impacted the whole economy and Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get this agreement or that agreement and so on. And and it was only after, I, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks of trying everything I could come up with and hitting walls everywhere when I really realized what happened. And by that time, phone calls from, you know, employees and and, and suppliers and so on turned from, hey, like what's happening to, we're going to do very crazy stuff to you. So so, uh, it was almost like talking to to Al Capone or somebody else from the Italian mafia. I mean, looking back, of course, nobody would kill me. I mean, they all wanted money back. You know, people say craziest things when, when you know, you owe them money. And, you know, mo- a lot of them were relying on that money. It was, you know, it, I, I wasn't owing like to one big bank. And you can say, you know what, fuck off. I mean, you know, you're a big bank. You can, you can deal with it. I was actually owing money to small suppliers, to family businesses, to my employees and so on. And that was very emotional to me because I knew what a bad situation they are in. I didn't go into this intentionally into the bankruptcy. So I went into this project with all my heart and my soul. And so all of that combined, and then I got divorced uh, as well. And most of my friends from before the crash were people from Rotary Club and President Cigar Club and so on. And I thought, oh, I have such amazing friends, you know, but they were the first one who never called me back. So mm. it, it felt like I, I ended up all alone. You know, my grandparents were already dead. My father was already dead. I only had my mom alive. And it was a very, very dark moment, you know, like feeling you're all alone, trying to understand what happened to you, trying to figure out who you should blame it on. And then, you know, you start asking yourself stupid questions like, oh, why God? Like, why this happened to me? What wrong did I did to anybody? I mean, those questions will not give you any good uh, answers. So it's, it's better not to even ask them. And, and so, you know, weeks went by, phone calls, this, that. My head was like a nuclear reaction. Uh, waiting to explode. I woke up to phone calls. I went straight into depression, anxiety, stress. Then that darkness starts creeping into you. You know, you, you stop seeing. I was always, you know, full of ideas, very creative. There was always something I was able to grab myself to. You know, I was always mm-hmm. that. I, I never was a quitter, you know. I, I, you know, if I saw a little bit of a light, I would just go for it, you know. Yeah. But suddenly, I stopped seeing any light, any tunnel, any ideas, and it was like, okay, so I maybe used the good portion of the life, and and now this is it, you know, like that's it for the rest of my life. And then you 
weeks go by, you start asking yourself, well, what's the point? And all I was craving was just some, some silence in my head because I was like 24-7 on the verge of, of that explosion happening in my head. All I wanted was just some silence. And so, you know, you start thinking about suicide. You start diving into it. You start Googling stuff and so on. And it became more and more romanticized in my head because you know yeah you you uh, my idea was to to really jump from the balcony a bit uh, i mean it, it didn't i mean it wasn't like a planned idea i was just on the balcony one one evening smoking a cigar uh cigarette and my apartment will be taken away in a few days and i was like just i i just start, started climbing on the other side of the fence and you know i was like inclined over the edge, holding myself with one hand, looking down. And what was going through my mind was, you know, like, am I going to do this right? Or because I was only on the fifth floor, you know, it's not like 20th floor where you know for sure you jump, you're done, you know. Fifth floor, there are survivals, you know, so maybe I'll just end up on a wheelchair. Um, And that wouldn't be the solution, you know, that wouldn't stop everything in my head. And then in, in that moment, it kind of just bursted out of me like a yelling thing. I mean, I used a lot of very, very juicy words, so I'm not going to repeat all of that. But it was, you know, like, oh, you, you failed, you, you, you messed up, you did this. And, and suddenly I heard myself, you know, you, 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 you. Because up to that moment, you know, I was that amazing, perfect human being that can do nothing wrong. And, and so on and and it was hard you know like oh my god like you know but but then that next thought was really the aha moment it was so if i did all those mistakes and i was able to get to that point if i do things differently i can do even better that mm-hmm. that was like immediate little spark of ray of light and i was I climbed back in and I was willing to go and fight for that. And the journey wasn't a smooth ride. It's not like, oh, now I had my aha moment and now everything goes according to to the plan. Of course not. I mean, I had so much to change. I had so much to learn, so much work on, on me personally, on my business development. I had to fight those inner demons of past and, and past autopilots, past habits every single day. So um, sometimes I won, sometimes I didn't. But, you know, the more I was going, the more I was winning, the easier it became and, and, and the more I was winning and so on. But it took me three and a half years of, of real hard work, daily work on myself and on my business development before uh, in 2014, I started a new company with all the knowledge from all these failures. And, you know, that's why then later the fail coach because I've learned most of everything through my failures and that was an energy efficiency startup and I was able to scale that business from zero to multiple eight figures in the first year, multiple nine figures next year, put all the systems in place so that I was the least important person in the company, sell it to a Fortune 100 company and walk away on day one. And then I was able to repay uh by that time it, it it came to almost seven million past debt so i was able to repay all of that and then i just enjoyed the freedom of time and money and freedom of choice and what i chose to do was to you know i need to be surrounded with entrepreneurs i was looking so where's the meetup where's the conference you know i I mean, I can't go to a local pub and, you know, talk, talk about the weather and the politics with the local drunks. That's not for me. I, I love being surrounded with fellow entrepreneurs. And when they learned about my story, everybody starts asking you for advice and so on. And before I knew it, um, yeah, I, I kind of fell into the whole coaching thing. And when I, I was it. thinking, okay, it's, it's time to put a name on it. And um, it was actually not me who came up with the name. We were having a few beers with a friend of mine. And he said, well, you know, you constantly go about, like every story you say starts with, I failed at this and then la, 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 la. This is what I did to get out of it. And you constantly talk about healthy relationship with failure, how important it is to understand failure, how we 
we eat, you can't avoid failure and so on. And he said, well, you're the fail coach. And I don't know, maybe it was the beer, uh, but uh, <laughs> I really liked it. And yeah, that's how the whole story of fail coach came to be. I love it. And I think it must be a great beer. So <laughs> take me a little bit back again. I think what must have happened because obviously like you had this like whole identity of, you know, I'm so, I'm so important. I'm so great at everything, whatever. And you have this aha moment at this balcony and you go like, Oh shit. I act like it was actually me doing all of this mistakes. And then you said it took you three and a half years of incredibly hard work on yourself. Talk me a little bit through the identity crisis that you surely had because I remember when I had to let go of this whole hustle and crime mentality that I was really trying to hold on. Not that dying and having a cardiac arrest was enough, but I really went a little bit harder on working. So instead of just having three jobs, I had two, but I took it down to like 36 hours in a row. I was like going really hard. I was a team manager by the age of 22 for Siemens and was going like, I was going extreme on the working hours and everything until then by the age of 24, as you said, I got another punch in the face from life that told me like, you didn't understand the first lesson. So now you're going to really learn it. And then I did. So I know that there for sure must be an identity crisis and It took me a really long time to kind of overcome this whole letting go of my old identity. It wasn't really as much as changing the habits for me because that's what I do with clients. And, you know, it's like, I mean, I do it for you. I do it for me. Like, who cares? But it was like the identity that I kind of was attached to as like, I can go for weeks and weeks, like the, you know, the old uh, advertisement with the energy bunny and the, you know, it never runs out of batteries, the Duracell one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was know. me. And my parents always said, like, you don't have a switch off. They were, they were literally trying to find a switch off on me. And I was like, nope, not happening. So now life gave me a switch off, I guess. So how yeah. did you experience that? <laughs> I mean, a funny thing, before that crash, like, I always loved reading, always. Like, I, 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 I'm, I can't be uh, without a few open books uh, around me. The thing was, I always enjoyed reading biographies of, of great people. Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed reading those, you know, self-help and so on books. I never... Um, I was just always thinking that I'm way too good for what they're like. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. Just it doesn't apply to me because everything is perfect for me. I don't need that. But I loved reading that. And so that finally kicked in all that unused knowledge that I was just reading, reading and adding into my library, but never actually implementing and using. So when, when I started working, one of the first things that I did was, who am I? You know, like, mm -hmm. what, like, I, I had to figure out, like, who am I? Like, what do I stand for? Who, what are my <coughs> values, my beliefs, my priorities, my goals? And uh, the, there was this funny trigger. So I, I started just writing for myself, you know, anything that came out of me, you know, like who I am, what do I want to be, what do I believe in, and so on. And then, you know, I would leave it for a few days, go back, read it again, edit it, and so on. Um, the end result was nothing even close to what came out of me first. But the trigger was very funny. So I knew about this circle of life thing, you know, where you, uh, where you put like uh, that circle into eight pieces. And then one of them, those eight pieces was some sort of a healthy life balance or, or health in general. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was, you know, stressed out over hugely overweight and, and so on, because all of those things, of course, took a big toll on, on my health. And also from the hustle, hustle, grind, grind, I spent some time in hospitals as well and so on. And so on one hand, I wrote, you know, oh, I want this healthier lifestyle. I mean, it's not like I want to be a supermodel, but, you know, just, you know, 
a little improvement would be a good one. But then on my on the other hand, I had written that I my dream is to travel the world and try every craft beer and every burger possible. I mean, with all of those other things, this was the main trigger that got me thinking and start challenging everything I knew about myself. Because I, I came to the point I was reading and I'm like, well, I can't try every burger and every beer and and have a healthy life. It doesn't go with that way. I have to choose. Mm. And, and that, that, that was the trigger because, you know, often we will write things out, but because we are not looking at the whole picture, we, we might write things that do not go with each other, but they're in different areas, and then we put them in there. But that was the trigger that got me like, oh, shit, I need to choose what I really want. And that got me to really challenge everything. And then I was like, oh, if this doesn't go together, maybe there are other things in this document that don't go together. And that started like this avalanche. I think it took me like six months to really come to terms who I really am and, and what I really want. I think I needed like six months from the initial writing down to what what came at the end. And I had to reinvent or refine myself. What I realized later on was that in my 20s, with everything that was happening, all that wealth and money and, and, and all those fake friendships and so on, and that flying high thing, I lost myself. Yeah. That wasn't the real Mika. That was, you know, Mika influenced by, you know, what I thought is socially acceptable, what I was seeing in my friends and, you know, on the in the media and so on. I was highly, highly influenced by that. I mean, my fail, because, you know, I let that, all of that surrounding to influence me. And then I really rediscovered that, that, Miha from my childhood, you know, who's always willing to help, who appreciates the little things and so on. And uh, uh, that there are bigger things in life above money that are way more important for a happy life. And, yeah. you know, fast forward now with what I do now, I mean, I'm nowhere near the numbers that I had before the crisis, but I feel like a billionaire. I really do. You know, with all the things that I can do for animals, with all the things that I can do for fellow entrepreneurs, when you get those stories, testimonials, emails, I mean, there's there's just this warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart that no money can buy. And I truly, truly feel like a billionaire today. But back then, I had it all on the outside, but my life on the inside was completely empty. Yeah, you know? that's amazing. I had a lot of... Yeah a lot of relationships, friendships, mm. and, and so on, and, and love relationships, but we had nothing to talk about. We had nothing yeah. in common. I yeah. mean, if I, if I remember my ex-wife, like we would go from weekend to weekend. During the week, I was working uh, like crazy. She was at home uh, vacuuming like crazy, uh, always, always nagging me, and I was fed up with that. And then we had the weekend. And on the weekend, we didn't know how to spend time by ourselves. It was, you know, let's go visit these friends. Let's go to Paris. Let's go to Vienna. Let's go here. Let's go there. And even when we went somewhere, it was either um, let's try some Michelin three-star restaurants or two-star or whatever we could find because we were both foodies. And then it was shopping. And then, then, and then in the evening, you would just get drunk at the lobby in the hotel and you would go and sleep. I mean, we had zero relationship. I mean, yeah. that's not a relationship. So, yeah, th things were really strange. But, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that I have seen the other side. Mm. I'm, I'm very happy. I don't regret it. And I'm very grateful for the lessons that I had to go through because I wouldn't be today who I am without those failures. And right. I needed big failures. I mean, you know, if you remember when my father died, I had a small lesson. I, I never took that lesson. I never learned from that lesson. So I was really thick-headed. I needed a huge lesson, something that will really, really pounce me into the ground. And I, it, it's good that it took me so long because if I would bounce back in three months, I would not learn anything. And I would just go back to how I was used to doing things. So I really needed this 
huge period to really change my habits, my reactions, the way of living and so on, to really learn the lessons. So I'm very, very grateful for everything that happened to me. I don't have regrets how I was living my life and so on. I saw the other side. I saw how, for me, empty it is and, and meaningless. And, um, and I learned what I love and, and how I love to... Like, I mean, there's no Lamborghini or Ferrari out there that can be better than just an hour or two walking with my dogs. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I love that. I think that's a really, really important message as well because a lot of people think if they fail and they kind of bounce back really quickly, then they got through this lesson and they can just keep on going. But they don't understand that the journey often from, from the incident itself, whatever happens, to the point where you actually where it actually clicks because it doesn't click in the moment like as you said it took you so long to actually understand you know what was the actual lesson and i'm sure like along the way there were a few more things that came up where you'd be like oh my god yes that's what i was supposed to learn you know and yeah, yeah. i mean it took me like so many years as well As I said, like when I was 19 and I died, I literally didn't see it. I was like, oh, let's go a little bit harder on that work. I'm sure I did something. I missed out on something here. And then five years later, I got really, really badly punched in the face. Like I got really knocked out. But I took that lesson. And I mean, that took me years to yeah recover from that. Definitely. Until I literally just threw in, I don't want to say threw in the towel because it sounds like giving up. But I was just saying like, this bullshit doesn't work for me, however you want me to do it. But I'm just going to leave and change everything. And that's when I left Germany and just turned my whole life upside down. So before we going to wrap it up, I have one more question because it's going to burn. I want to really know. I, would, I, would, I could talk with you like 10 hours. So this is like <laughs> super interesting. Thank um, you. Tell me a little bit about when you actually tried to rediscover yourself, what type of questions would you ask yourself? First, I was just free-flowing. Like, you know, just I would pick an area. So I, I took that in, uh, Indian book of I don't know what, where they talk about the circle of life and they have suggestions. Some didn't feel right for me. So I made eight areas that I felt kind of like, encircle my life and then and then I would just pick an area I would just start writing just venting it out or, or, or just getting it out of the system whatever it was unstructured like just whatever I feel about that area what mm -hmm. I'm okay with what I'm not where I think I am what I think I should do so it was like section by section I went into that and then really it was just challenging everything um, do I really believe this? Um, how does this uh, reflect? Well, why am I then not doing this? Why am I doing the opposite? And that just, but it was really just challenging everything. So it was not so much like a set structure of questions because for different areas, there were different things that I've written down and, and, and so on. And um, I was just trying to figure out, but then later on I learned that we are always evolving anyway. So, mm -hmm. so now I go back to this circle of life on a monthly basis, once a month. I take, uh, I open the document and uh, I just read through it and see, and, and I go with how I feel. Do I still feel that this is aligned with me or maybe things changed and I'm open to change, you know, and, and things changed or like, oh, Here, I need to remind myself a bit more often because I'm slacking off in this area. Mm. And it's, 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 it's really just like an evolving journey, not an end destination. And I guess, yeah. you know, we'll be growing and changing until we die. And Hopefully. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, really nothing too structured, just, yeah, letting it out. I mean, sometimes when I... When I need to a little bit of fail coaching myself, I mean, of course I do. I just open a Word document and then I do this trick where first I vent it out. And that already, you know, takes away quite a lot of emotions when you vent it out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I really just have a dialogue with myself within a Word document. It's like coach to client. <laughs> I, know, I love that. But it, it really helps me. Usually by the end of second or third page, I already have ideas and solutions. So it, it, it is working. And yeah. of course, I, I also have mentors and coaches of my own. Mm-hmm. This is something where I'm really, it's really funny for me. A lot of business coaches out there, you know, when you ask them, like, you have your own coaches, you know? No, no, no. Well, I'm a business coach. I don't need that. Well, I mean, come on. We all suck when it comes to our own business. Yeah. Yeah, But there's plenty of them. They want to sell you their coaching, but they don't need coaching because they're business coach. But they have an Instagram account. (sighs) Yeah. But then they're fine. I'm sure they're fine if they have Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, is- no, I mean that that's that's super strange because yeah. you know the thing is when when it's your business, it's your baby, no matter how good you are with mindfulness and emotional intelligence and all of that, there's still a little bit of emotions attached to that. You can't completely dis- disconnect from it. And whenever emotions are involved, that clouds our vision a little bit. And then you know, you work in your business on a I don't know, daily weekly basis you 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 need that outside perspective you need for somebody who comes from the outside who's not involved to slap you or you know or kick you in the ass because you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing or so i mean i see this with marketing agencies a lot like they're amazing when it comes to helping their clients they suck at their own marketing <laughs> i know and it's it's to me actually it's not a surprise because I study neuroscience right so basically for me that doesn't come as a surprise whatsoever probably because I understand like human nature behavior neuroscience whatever but there are so many people out there who are so surprised by that who are like well you're marketing or social media manager, or whatever it is, you have a marketing agency, why do you suck at your own marketing? Well, obviously, they're in their own bubble. They look from the inside out. They can't see the other way around. No matter where they look, they always look with a a different perception and with a different lens than you can see it. So there's no way they can have the perspective that you have. And so it's, as you say, I totally agree. Everyone should have a coach. I even say like everyone should have at least two or three coaches for different areas because there's no such a thing as a unicorn out there. Although I love unicorns in gifts, but definitely not as coaches. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, it it depends which stage you are in. Like if you are in that early stage, let's say up to a few millions in yearly revenue, there's really not so much happening. I mean, we think that our business is so unique, but there's really not so much uniqueness there. True. Um, so, So if you have somebody who is a good coach, who has gone through a lot of different things, you can have like a one overall call coach and then maybe just a few things that you eventually go for an hour here, two hours here. So you can go by. But then when you surpass that few millions a year or or when you surpass 10 millions a year, then, you know, you have an organization, you have an HR department, this, that. Then, yeah, then just going, like, no one coach can can know everything. But in the early stages, you know, uh, six-figure business, I mean, that's not that difficult because uh, there's not so much thinking going on in there and happening in there so you could you could get by with with just one but yeah later on you definitely need some advisors coaches mentors like Mm -hmm. a mix of them yeah i definitely agree with that i would like to add though that i feel like it's like after my personal journey it would be really important that you have have at least besides even if you have a business coach and they can handle all of the business side you should have a personal development either coach, uh, therapist, whatever you choose, healer, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be super regular, but definitely someone to reflect and work with you on that uh, inner work as well. And I don't think a business coach should be doing that regularly. No, no, no. Uh, Although often you have to be a little bit of everything, you know. Definitely. Um, To to keep the mindset, Uh, but, but but I think like, for example, inner shadow work or like, I think it's not good to mix that completely. So I think there 
it's no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But most people will, you know, don't look at it in that way. Oh, you know, I should have like a personal coach and, and a business coach or even right. multiple business coaches. They, yeah. they kind of hope that they can pick one and, and that one will deliver everything. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you can do a lot, but yes, of course, you're not, you're not specialized in, 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 you know, every life area and so on. And, and it's hard. Sometimes it is hard to find that right balance between mm. the being the business. I mean, um, often, yeah, you, you have to be a little bit of a teacher as well and a little bit of life coach and sometimes even yeah. a bit of therapist. And yeah, I mean, you know, especially when it comes to some deeper stuff, when some therapy is needed, when you're not a licensed therapist, you know, like you, you it, it is a strange place to be in because you don't want to advise something that would not be a, a good thing and you don't want to give a wrong advice to something as intimate as, as a true thing because you know that's where you can do most harm i mean in business you know even if you give a bad advice okay we'll learn from it we'll figure it out we'll apply something new and we'll move forward when it comes to more personal stuff um it can be much more damaging if if you give an advice that is not a good advice yeah. So totally. I, I try to stay away from those things. And uh, when we come to things where I'm really not sure, I, I, I know what I did, but I know that they might not be the same person. Yeah. I really make sure to explain that this is not where I'm considering uh, being good enough to give advice on that topic and that they should really consider going to somebody who is a specialist. And mm. sometimes I can even... Uh, hook them up with somebody who I know or who helped me and so on. So yeah, I, I agree. I guess just most people aren't looking at it in, in such a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Miha, I would love to keep going, but we have to wrap it up a little bit. So sure. I have two more questions for you that I ask everyone by the end of my show. So the first one is, what does efficiency mean to you? Oh, oh boy, I'm not the right person to ask, uh, to ask that. So I, I went from, I want to be super efficient. I want to be highly efficient. I want to get shit done to so on to really, I want the quality of life. So when, for me, efficiency is when you do something, do that properly. I think most people, when it comes to efficiency, it's more like how much you can do instead of how well you do the little thing, the, the, the little amount of things that you do do. So, so I'm very much the quality versus quantity. So for me, efficiency is really just being mindful of your resources, your, because you know, your energy is your resource as well. And if I try to do five interviews in a day, well, it's, it's too demanding. So I need to always be mindful how I'm using my resources so that I can every day give the best as I can to, to the world out there instead of draining myself and burning myself out of that resource. So for me, efficiency is that constant finding of that balance between quality and quantity, but with more focus on, on if I have to choose, I will always go for the quality versus quantity. But of course, we want to, like, for example, I do want to share this message with as many people about, uh, especially about the foundations with as many entrepreneurs. So I, I want to reach many of them, but then I want to do it in a proper way. Mm -hmm. So with that balance between the quantity and the quality, that for me is kind of like what efficiency is. How, how, because at the end of the day, it's leverages where, that help us go faster and, and do bigger. And it's all about how you figure out what leverages you have and how you are able to use them to speed up the processes. A... Man, I may as well just hire Miha to sell all of my stuff because you literally just wrapped at everything that I do and what I love to spread my message in like the most beautiful words. <laughs> I call it like slow down to speed up 
that's basically like my my motto for all of my clients and i'm exactly Perfect. the same quality over quantity and you listeners out there you couldn't see it but i was raising my hands as in preaching when Micha was uh, was talking about the energy management and it's so important i'm i cannot i cannot preach it more with you together um if but you don't that's have kind of the f that's kind of the fuel that that you know that i mean you don't have like we are not limitless in our resources yeah. i mean App, apple is not limitless us and chinese governments are not limitless i mean they can punch out that money but they are not limitless and yeah. and we as human beings we are not limitless and we have to be very mindful about our resources all of them not just money and time but energy and, and things like that as well and balance all of those resources so that we can do the most with what we have. Yeah. And, uh, Amen. Uh, but by the way, uh, um, have you have? Uh, I'm sure that then you are very familiar with Pico Ivor. I think that's how his name is. It's this uh, he did two TED talks, P Pico Ivor or something like that. Um, uh -huh. I think he's from Indian descent, but then they moved to US, and he's travel writer, um, older guy, he must be about, I don't know, 50, 60, and he's talking just about this, uh, how to slow down to, to achieve more, and how the best travels he ever did was the travels he didn't do when he was just staying still, uh, the art of stillness or something like that. I mean, if you don't know, uh, TED Talks, uh, and, and uh, um, just, yeah, find him. I, I think you will fall in love with him immediately. Yeah. I mean, I know I did. He was a huge influence on how I view all of these things. I love that. Amazing. We definitely put this in the show notes as well as the book you mentioned. Is it also from India? You said this, um, The Circle of Life? Uh, I don't know what the name of the book is, to be honest. I just know that it's from Buddhism. And I don't, I'm not even sure if it's called Circle of Life or I just named it like that because yeah. it's like the circle uh, <laughs> and, and you divide it into areas of your life. So it might be even something different. I mean, I've read a lot of books, but then when it comes to recollecting the titles, yeah. I'm not, not the best when it comes to that. We will research that. Maybe we can find the link for you guys out there. Last question for us today so in hindsight, knowing what you know today, if you had to restart all over to, um, again, what would be the three things that you would keep doing over and over to get to success again? Okay. I mean, I have to say I wouldn't restart because then, you know, I would change things. But, um, and, and like I said, I'm really grateful for the journey that I went through. But uh, uh, one thing is for sure is morning routine. Morning routine is so important because it puts you in your driver's seat from the start of the day. You don't switch on the autopilot. And then, and then two things that I believe are, are super important, not just in business, but overall, practicing mindfulness and practicing emotional intelligence. I would say that those three things, even when I'm working with huge CEOs and so on, I mean, no leader should go without practicing mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And I mean, it, it helps anybody. So even in your private life and everything, it, it's like, I would just focus on the inner stuff. Yeah. The outside stuff then happens. If you focus on the inner stuff, the, it, everything happens on the outside. You, you can't do it the other way around. Yeah. I love that so much. And just because we mentioned it, if you need and want to know how to build your own morning routine, you can download the free guide on efficiencyondemand.com. Not that I planned this, but it's right there so you can get it. Miha, it was amazing to talk to you. Please tell everyone where they can find you and what they can find there. Well, the easiest thing is, and, and thank you, it was a pleasure talking with you as well. The easiest thing is you just open Google and you type in fail coach and bam, you know, then they can go to my Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever they prefer. I, I do have a free group on Facebook that's called the leverage of trust. Because if we want to move people from no like to trust, it takes a lot of time. And if we want to do something faster and, and leverage, it's one of the best leverages in the business 
we have to leverage where trust already is. And so uh, there's like this free group. Everybody can join. They have all the lessons in there. And I'm still figuring out how I can add even more value to people in the group. So that's something. But yeah, other than that, fail, fail coaching, Google, and my website is fail.coach. No .com or anything, just fail.coach. That's maybe a good way to start. But yeah, even just Googling is, is a good way. And then just pick the, the social media channel that uh, suits you the most. Perfect. I already joined your group (laughs) while you were talking (laughs) (laughs) and we will link everything below in the show notes for everyone so they can easily find it but go and google fail coach i want to see how easy it is for you to find miha it should be coming up probably as number one result Um, i think like i i own all three four five first pages like (laughs) (laughs) there you go well, not you know, failing like, on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, but, you know, like everybody wants to be branded as success something. So I don't think that there's anybody as crazy so far who would uh, put a name fail coach on, on <laughs> them. So that kind of... Dist- but, you know, like it's a good thing. You own like your own category on Google. Yes. But in reality, nobody actually says, oh, I want to find a fail code. So nobody intentionally Googles fail code. So, you know, it's a blessing and, uh, and, and also <laughs> doesn't do much for you because, you know, like who would go on Google and say, oh, shit, I'm dealing with depression. I need to find a fail code. You know, like nobody does that. Right. Well, you never know. Depends on what long keywords you're gonna stack i guess but yeah, i have yeah. not that much idea about seo so i better don't talk about it <laughs> no neither neither do i i'm 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 not uh no knowledgeable about that i just know that uh when you type in fail coach yes we 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 have quite a few results there but yeah on the other hand i know that nobody intentionally goes and looks for a fail coach so yeah Miha, thank you so much for taking all the time and sharing your knowledge. I hope that the number one thing that everyone takes away from today is, first of all, failing gets you to success. And second of all, foundations is what makes failing less painful. Yes, absolutely. That's what we should be sharing. Thank you so much, Miha. I love to stay connected with you. And I hope that we can share your message all over the world because I think it's truly impactful. Thank you. And it was a huge pleasure being your guest. Thank you, Miha. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember, slow down to speed up.